welcome to episode 18 of the Passionate Purpose Podcast, where we interview people over 50 who are pursuing new direction for their lives. It's an opportunity for men and women to tell their stories their way in their own words. I'm Greg Gerber, the founder of Forward From 50 and your host for today's show. Forward From 50 has featured some incredible stories of men and women whose lives have gone in completely different directions after passing their 50th birthdays. Rich Avery is different. He knew early in life what his purpose was, and he hasn't deviated much from that. For many years, Rich served as a pastor. Now he helps other pastors prepare for the future by pursuing business ideas that create income or expand their sense of purpose. He entered the ministry when he was 26 years old after working to raise money for a nonprofit organization. He loved the job and the people he worked with. Still, Rich had a gnawing feeling he was made to do something else. Instead of attending a seminary, Rich jumped into full-time ministerial training by doing crisis intervention with local homeless people. He spent half his time working at church, caring for families in need, and the rest of his time on the street, caring for people who had given up on life. In 2019, Rich's church offered him a sabbatical to rest, reflect, and contemplate what his life would look like the following year after he turned 50. The church gave him a stipend to invest in personal development and to enjoy some time with his family. So Rich booked a cruise organized by Dan Miller, who authored the book 48 Days to the Work You Love. The cruise combined time off in the Caribbean with teaching and personal growth counseling. One thing Rich and his wife Candace talked about was whether he should wait until he was 65 and retired before jumping into some new ideas, or start now and begin living out the next chapter of their lives while they still had energy to pursue it. To tell us more about what happened after that cruise, please welcome pastor and business trainer Rich Avery to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Rich. I really appreciate your time. Tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from. Yeah, thank you, Greg. I'm glad for the opportunity to be with you. I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Been a Michigander all my life, and my been married for over 30 years now. My wife and I just celebrated 30 years last month, and so that's pretty cool. And we're blessed with five kids, ages 16 to 26. Wow, that should have kept you busy. <laughs> yeah, very true. Super. Did you grow up in Michigan? Yeah, I did. I grew up in a small town. My grandparents on both sides worked in farming. On my mother's side, they were fruit farmers. And so I was always interested in agriculture. I didn't want to do it myself, but I loved how it worked. And I think I learned about principles of planting seeds in the lives of other people. And I had a counselor or a spiritual advisor once tell me maybe that farming life in your past is living in your life today in other ways, not necessarily planting seeds in the ground, but seeds in the lives of other people. I appreciated that and thought, I want to take that and apply that to my life. So One thing that farming really teaches you is patience. You've got to put it in the ground and wait and wait <laughs> to get a harvest. So that's a good thing, yes. good life skill to have. Do you have any yeah, hobbies? Yeah, that's true. Hobbies. Well, um, in 2014, I began running. I've never considered myself a runner. Before that, I thought it was dumb to run more than two miles unless a bear was chasing you. But our church began partnering with World Vision to raise money for clean water projects in Africa. And they had this dumb idea of using a marathon or a half marathon as a way to, to do that. They asked people to commit to training to run a half or full marathon and to invite other people to join with you. And 
donating money toward the cause. And then over five months or six months of training, then you raised money and then and then ran the marathon or half marathon. So yeah, actually it was 2015, 2014, my wife and my oldest son ran at that time. He was 17, I think at the time. They ran a full marathon. I had a torn meniscus in my leg, so I couldn't run that year. But I thought if they could run a marathon, maybe I could crawl through a half marathon. So I did a half marathon the in 2015, and then I did a full marathon in 2016. So I've done three marathons, a couple of half marathons, a couple of 25Ks over the last few years. So I've come to really enjoy that. The bear doesn't scare the other participants? Somehow we all overcome it. So <laughs> stay ahead of the bear. So. Sure. What did you do for a living before you turned uh, 50? Yeah. So I've been a pastor for all of my adult life, really, since 1996. I was 26 years old. I had what I called my midlife crisis at that time. I I was in a job and it was a good job and I enjoyed it, but I felt like that there was something missing and that I was meant to do something more. And it was related, but not specifically pastoral ministry, but but coming alongside pastors and ministry leaders and also entrepreneurs, interestingly. And, but I worked in like the donor relations side. It was like a, for a nonprofit organization. And um, in 1996, I had a crisis of realizing that I was made for something more than that to also be involved in pastoral ministry specifically. And so that led me on a journey really quickly to become a pastor at the church that I was attending. So a homegrown pastor to sense that call to ministry and then have that call affirmed and then begin to do the process of ministerial training at that point. So I was in ministry. I guess at first I jumped ahead a little bit. I first began doing some homeless crisis intervention with a ministry in our community. And then that led to a job at the church. So it was part homeless crisis intervention, part working at our church, like with our benevolence ministry and caring for families or people in need. And then that grew into eventually a full-time role at our church. So I've always worked in the social service side, whether it's caring for poor or homeless people or those with mental illness or people in need or crisis in various ways. So I was always involved in that kind of ministry, serving our community and our congregation in times of need. And then I eventually began getting more involved in, in global outreach and, and leading our church's partnerships globally with uh, relief and development work and things like that. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun. That takes a special skill to be able to pastor people. Is it something mm. that you just acquired over time, or is it something you've had to work to develop? I think I've worked to develop it, but I think a lot of it came naturally too, in, in terms of, and I just, I think of this as a gift from God that I had the interest and desire to serve other people. And uh, I wasn't sure at first. I In high school, I thought about maybe being a police officer or a social worker. Those were the things I thought when I envisioned serving other people. And I had thought a bit about ministry pastoral ministry, but didn't really pursue that to begin with. So in college, I was majoring in sociology at the time. And then I switched to political science because I was really interested in that. But then I realized you can't, if you want to go get a degree in political science, you have to go get a master's and then you can be a professor or go to law school or whatever. So I, I thought maybe I'd be a politician someday and run for office. But then at some point I really felt led to um, be involved with, with homeless crisis intervention. Actually, I went on a day-long trip with a guy that our church supported who served poor and homeless people in our community, and he focused on the mentally ill homeless. And he took me on what he called a hike in the hood one day, and this was in 1996. And so I was with him, and he took me to places along the river near downtown where people were camped out in um, 
like boxes or like pallets, like the skid row type thing. And it took me to abandoned buildings where people had made a little makeshift housing thing for themselves and to like a couple of flop house type homeless hotels where people had lived. And my heart was really broken for the people in that situation. And I actually met some people who had been part of our church who had been addicted to alcohol or had a mental illness. And then they ended up being there homeless in that community. And so my heart was really broken for those folks in that situation. And I saw myself like there, but for the grace of God, go I. And so I just really felt compelled to get involved in that organization. And so I did that. And then that worked into a job at the church. So I fell into a lot of things. I didn't plan to apply for a job like that. I didn't plan to apply for a job as a pastor, but worked myself into all of those things in my career over over the last 30 some years. Did you take any personality tests or things like that to de- determine that this was a good career for you? Um, I've always been like high eye on the disc profile. That's like the salesman or the party guy. People like to have fun and, and connect with people and, and be involved in relationships, things like that. Seems like some pastors are that way. Not everyone is. But yeah, I've always been high in that. Um, I can't remember. I know I've done strengths finders and the Myers-Briggs and different things, but I can't remember. As I get older, my memory isn't it like it used to be. So. <laughs> Funny how that works, isn't it? I know there were some things in terms of being a promoter, being a someone that's like progressive and and innovative, thinking ahead, brainstorming, ideation, those sorts of things. I know that I, I think the strengths finder was one where I ranked on those things. You had mentioned how you have a heart for the homeless, especially Mm -hmm. the mentally ill homeless. Was there anything really stressful about being a pastor that kind of caused you some angst? That's a great question. One. There's one thing that's a burden and a blessing. You, as you get to know people in your congregation or community, you learn things about people. You learn secrets about people or their struggles or those who have marital issues or issues with their kids or those that have been convicted or charged with something. And so I say that um, Sometimes that was like a burden to to know those things, to carry those things around because you held confidence. And so you couldn't always come home and talk about some of those situations you encounter today because you wanted to keep those things confidential. So I'd say that was a burden. I don't mean that was burdensome, but maybe some would feel it that way. But it was a burden or a recognition that there's a privilege to know those things and to process that and then to know how to keep a confidence and how to how to serve people when you know those things about people, how to love people, how to serve people through those situations and not take it personal and not be judgmental against them or things like that. Yeah, I guess that's one thing that really stands out to me. I had never considered that that would be a real problem because they are people are coming to you with some of the most horrible things that are happening to them mm. or in their lives or that they're involved in. You can't really go in and even talk to your wife about it and say, yeah. I had a bad day talking about this and just talk it out. So that, that would be a real challenge. Yeah. The other challenge is you can't fix it either. <laughs> right. There are things we can do to support and encourage people and pray with people and point them in a direction, but you, there are no easy fixes to a lot of those things. Yeah. So before you turned 50, what was the one thing that you were most proud of having accomplished? Wow, what a great question. Um, I think just helping our church to be more locally and globally minded 
and to help mobilize people more, like doing something like the marathons or half marathons. We raised hundreds of thousands of dollars over five, six years to provide clean water for thousands of people in different countries in Africa in particular. So that was a real blessing to be able to be a part of that. And then I've had the privilege of traveling a lot globally. And so I'm able to see our dollars at work. So locally and globally, but to be able to see how people in our church were so generous in giving and uh, people in our community gave to the church to help meet needs locally and globally. And so then to be able to go and see that money put into action, there's just nothing better than that. So that was just a real privilege and opportunity just to say I had a hand in that. I wasn't, it wasn't all because of me, but I was able to help make some of those things happen and build some of those relationships and connections that made a real difference in the lives of people. So yeah, I count that as a blessing. After you turned 50, I understand that your career went in a little different direction. What did you do? Yes, just before I turned 50, when I was 49, which was in 2019, my church offered me a sabbatical. And I had been with the church for over 20 years in various roles and had never had a sabbatical before. And so I took that year to really think about and take some action on some dreams that I've had. I've always wanted to do more mentoring and coaching with pastors. I've had a lot of people pour into my life and mentor and disciple or coach me in various ways and personal life things and in ministry things. And I really wanted, I always felt like I had an obligation or responsibility to, to pay that forward and to bless other people in similar ways. But I also was thinking that maybe how churches do church is going to be different in the future, that there were social and cultural and economic trends that were happening or about to happen, shifts that were happening that were going to change what church is like in America. And so I wanted to help pastors prepare for those things. And I felt like a lot of churches will be getting smaller and that pastors who have been full-time in paid ministry in the church may have to become part-time and make shifts in, in that way. And so I began to see some of those things. So I thought, 2019, I have this sabbatical. It was a month-long time off, and the church blessed us with some money that I could use to grow professionally, to invest in myself professionally, and invest in my family. I planned um, a cruise, a Dan Miller from 48 Days to the Work You Love. He, every now and then, would have a cruise, and he would invite people in his audience to be a part of these cruises and experience the Caribbean and vacation time, but also some teaching and personal growth and development time with Dan and his wife, Joanne. And that was one of the first things I thought about was, what if my wife and I could take this cruise with Dan and Joanne and really embrace that as a time of discerning what this next chapter of life might be like after the sabbatical and as I approach my 50th year. So my wife and I did that, and that was a really meaningful time. And then we had some fun vacation times with our family as well. So those were all blessings. But I really, it was unique that I was approaching 50, and I was blessed with this gift of time and resources to invest in myself. And that was right before COVID happened, obviously. And so the timing couldn't have been better. I, I knew pastors who had sabbaticals planned for 2020, 2021, and the, their plans were all upended. So I was very thankful for that. So I used that time to begin to reflect on my life and what I've done in the past and to begin to think and brainstorm and dream about what would I like it to be in the future. But I began to think, okay, do I have to wait until 65 to jump into those things? Or are there things I can do now at age 50 and going forward where I can begin to live into those things? So that's what I 
set out to do at that point. Is that how More Than a Pastor was born? Yeah, exactly. I decided after that sabbatical that I wanted to take action on that dream to launch a blog and a podcast and resources to help pastors create, look for ways to create income outside the church. I began to think first about pastors in transition. There are people that get into full-time vocational ministry who maybe don't weren't necessarily called to be a pastor, but they felt if I wanted to serve God, I need to do it as a full-time minister in the church. And But they could have also served God as a teacher or an engineer or a trash man or doctor or a, any number of other things, but they thought it had to be in the church ministry. And so there are people then who realize that, okay, this was good, but this wasn't the best or the right thing. So I first wanted to help pastors in that kind of transition. Maybe they felt like they had a vision for what their life and ministry would have been like by now, but this isn't it. And so how to help them make a shift and leverage their skills into other things. But then I began to key in on the financial reality that I think churches are going to face and pastors will face as churches get smaller. COVID really sped up some of that, um, sped up some of those social, cultural, economic trends that I think were starting to hit like a tidal wave for many churches. So I began thinking about pastors in transition in some way, but then I wanted to hone in a little bit more on pastors that want to create income outside of their church, or maybe they're making a shift from church ministry into something else, how to leverage their ministry skills and know-how into the marketplace in a way where they can serve God and provide for their family no matter what happens. So are you only working with pastors, or are you working for those engineers who realize they would like to do something more within mm -hmm. their faith? Yeah, right now it's been more pastors that are looking to create income outside their church. But yeah, I really want to be able to help anybody in that situation that is looking to see how can I serve God and provide for my family and be involved in the ministry that he has me for, whether it's vocational ministry in the church or it's vocational ministry in the marketplace in some way. Yeah, and I've also met a lot of leaders, entrepreneurs who have struggled with that on the same way. They, they want to live their faith in their work. They want to make a bigger difference in their work. And, and that was part of my first job before I got into the homeless crisis intervention was involved with helping pastors and helping entrepreneurs bridge that gap of entrepreneurs that feel a, a vocation, a call to be an entrepreneur and how to help, how to help them live into that call and live out their faith and make money for the purpose of giving it away and, or creating opportunities for people and making a difference in that way. So I guess I feel, I, I felt called to both, but I'm honing in now on, on pastors more at this time. So what are some of the things that you recommend they do to expand or increase their income outside of the church? I love to help pastors brainstorm, um, finding their sweet spot. And I use the phrase or the acronym GPS. We think of like a GPS that helps us know where we are and then where we put in where we want to go and it helps us to get there. And so I think if we look at a person's goals, starting with the letter G, their goals or dreams for their life, what are the things they want to accomplish in the future? What do they feel called to or led to? And then the S, what are their skills and talents? Or I'm sorry, we should do P next. What are their passions and experiences? Uh, the things that get them excited, where they feel like there's a cause they care about or experiences they have that have shaped them, whether good or bad, and they can they can mobilize through those things into something where they can make a bigger difference. Or then what are your skills and talents, the S, 
And I think of that as like a Venn diagram where you have those three circles that intersect in the middle. And so put your G, your P and your S together. And then what's that sweet spot? What's that thing in the middle where, where your goals and dreams intersect with your passions and your experiences and they intersect with your skills and your talents. And so how can we create then an opportunity around that sweet spot that, that can help you take that to a new level. And so it, it could be a way that can create income, or it could be starting an, an organization or a nonprofit that can help meet that need if there's a passion or cause you care about. So maybe it's business, maybe it's nonprofit or NGO sort of a thing, or maybe it's just tweaking slightly where you are and what you're doing in a different way that frees you up more to pursue those things. So that's where I like to start with people. Are you still working as a pastor yourself? Not actively in the church. I transitioned in November from that church I've been a part of for over 20 years. And so now I'm like an adjunct pastor. The church we're currently attending was a church that I started as a campus of my previous church. And then that church became autonomous in the last year. And my wife and I, our family have always been involved in that church from 2013 when I launched it as a campus. And now that it's autonomous, we've still been engaged there. And so I get to preach there every three, four months or so, and that's been a great opportunity and privilege for me. And then I work with a, an NGO that serves pastors globally, doing mentoring and coaching and training with pastors overseas to help them grow. We call it growing the grace of giving. And this is an idea from 2 Corinthians 8, 7, where the Apostle Paul, it's the church in Corinth, that they were great in their teaching, their leadership, their they had so many things going for them. But one thing they lacked was the gift of the grace of giving. They weren't understanding how giving can can unlock potential and open up opportunity and generosity in their hearts that can make a difference in their church and beyond. And so we help pastors overseas help their people grow in that grace of giving. So you might call it like stewardship development or financial development, that kind of a thing, but it's more than that. It's a lifestyle, helping to foster a lifestyle of generosity in churches around the world with the goal that those churches can be locally funded. So a lot of times pastors in Cambodia or Africa are reaching out to pastors in America. Can you fund our ministry? Can you do this? And so we're saying, what if what you want to do can be funded locally from the people you have as they grow in the grace of giving? And so that's what we're trying to help pastors and churches do. So I guess in a nutshell, what I do, uh, part of what I do is helping pastors globally, and then part uh, is helping pastors in the U.S. with sustainability of their church finances or their personal finances. Did this new endeavor require any changes to your lifestyle? Yeah, definitely to take a leap of faith, to change from the church, that definitely was a change in lifestyle a bit, just to not have secure income and be able to take a leap of faith and begin to build my online platform for more than a pastor. And and then when this opportunity opened up to do this coaching with this, with this NGO, um, then that was a great opportunity. But we didn't really know that at the beginning. So it was a leap of faith, trusting that now was the time of the season to to make a shift professionally and to invest our lives in this way, and then to begin to take steps toward that and then see what happens in terms of how God provides and what doors are opened up for us as we go. It has definitely been a leap of faith for us, but we've been blessed in that process. So we're grateful for that. Did it require you to develop any new skills? I would say doing things in a different way. I have always been connected with people and love to have relationships with people. But one thing I realized was I have a lot of friends that I haven't stayed in contact with in a long time. And uh, my wife and I were joking that her father, my father-in-law, 
is always amazing at keeping connections with people he worked with 30 years ago or went to school with or whatever. And sometimes we joke about the relationships and the people he still stays in contact with. But I just discovered this summer, I guess I knew it, but I discovered anew that there's a richness to that. There's a wealth of connections that he has that has served him well over all these years. And he is able to invest himself in the lives of others, and others return that with reciprocity. And it was just recently in May, my friend Vincent Puglisi had written a book called The Wealth of Connection. So that's why I just used that phrase a second ago. And that's where it dawned on me that there's such a power in a wealth. You might think you're not wealthy financially, that you don't have the wherewithal to accomplish what you want to do. But most of us are wealthy in terms of our family, our friends, our relational connections. And so if we if we look to nurture those, not to take advantage of them, but if we look to see first, how can we give? How can we serve? How can we bless others? That just naturally comes back to us and not in ways we would always expect or think we're going to see. But if we first seek to give and serve and connect with others, so that's just opened my mind to the fact that I need to be doing more of that. What are the pastors? Who are the pastors that I know that I haven't been connected with in a long time? Just calling them up hey, how can I serve you today? Hey, what's going on? How can I be praying for you? So I've just realized more and more I need to be investing more time in, into that. And Vincent, in his book, he's he just upon himself just came up with the idea of investing an hour a day in giving, his hour of giving, connecting with people, serving people. How can I help you serve you? And inevitably, as he asks people, what are you working on? How can I help you? They ask, well, what are you working on? How can I help you? And there's a way to serve each other that uh, is really cool. So, so that's been like an epiphany lately to realize that there I have a wealth of connections that I can do so much more to to see how to serve those people and see how I can be a blessing in their lives. And who knows how that may come back to bless me. Did the new venture require any financial investment on your part or the need for training? Yeah, definitely financial investment because I walked away from a salary and income at the church. And thankfully, we had been involved in real estate investing over the years with rental property. And so that has been a blessing for us then that we were able to make a transition and have that income to be able to to live on in some way in the meantime, and with my wife working and then me finding other odd jobs or things in the meantime as well. It's been a combination of a few things, but that definitely required an investment that we decided it was worth an investment to be able to to do that. So, How did the people closest to you react to your decision to step away from the church and start a business? I think some people thought it was odd timing in that they some people would say, personally, I'd want to have a longer runway. I'd want to have more things figured out or developed before I took that leap to do that. But it was really a matter of timing for us. There were some transition things at the church that kind of nudged me to realize, okay, now's the time to do that. And and then I've always had that dream for a long time. And so I got tired of putting it off and I thought now's the time to really dive in. And maybe diving in with both feet helps me to move more in the direction I want to go sooner versus doing it piecemeal. So I don't necessarily recommend that for everybody, but it felt good for us at the time to consider it that way. Did you have the support of your wife from the start, or did she have to come along as you grew the business? Yeah, no, she's been a great supporter and encourager, and we've definitely been on different journeys of faith over the years, and so we look back on those often to see how we took a leap of faith and God blessed it, and in ways we wouldn't have 
imagined at that and there were always surprises and blessings along the way. So, so that's been something we've just looked back upon. Okay. This is also a leap of faith and we're just going to trust that things are going to work out. And if they don't work out the way we envisioned, you can always get another job. There's always income opportunities out there. There's always different things to do. So it's not, there's no hope or whatever. I've always had that in my mind. And then I've been able to serve, you know, our denominational group in some ways too, with some mentoring. And, and I want to hopefully do more of that. There's lots of relationships and lots of possibilities and opportunities to do different things. So th those are available if we need to dip into those more. Yeah. What challenges were created by your decision to jump into a business of your own? Or has it been relatively smooth the entire process? For me, I have felt there are things I could have done sooner. I have had in my mind things I wanted to do or where I wanted to be by now, but I'm not, I haven't gotten there yet. And so some things have taken longer. I've been wanting to write a book and I've made progress on it, but it's not done yet. And it's easy to make excuses for why it's not done yet, but I just need to really buckle down more and try to get that finished up here in the next month or so. I really would like to have it done before, before the fall and have it available. And so it's, it's, so there are things like that where I just, I felt like I'm just going to take the leap. I'm going to go. There's things I don't know, but I'm going to figure them out over time. There's different communities that I've joined that have helped in the process that have helped given me encouragement and accountability and support. I think it's important to have a community around you when you're making a decision like this. Sometimes we can go it alone and um, that can work for some people, but I think a lot of us need that community in some way and that connection with other people. I've realized I need to lean into that more and, and de develop relationships with people in a community, people that are heading in the same direction I'm heading in terms of building their online platform or business. So that's very important because you can join a lot of communities, but mm -hmm. if you don't have a community of people who know where you're going and have also got the skills, talent, and abilities to help you get there, it might not be the right community to join. Yeah, true. And so what kind of rewards have you received from pursuing this? I've been blessed to receive a lot of affirmation from a number of other pastors. Before I launched into this, after my sabbatical and before I launched, I met with 10, 12 pastors to share my concept or my idea and ask them for feedback and their thoughts. And that's where I got the name More Than a Pastor, because one of them said, you know what? I feel bored in my ministry, as great as it is, as wonderful as it is. I'm not using all my gifts and talents. I'm not fully tied into all my passions and interests. I'm not pursuing all the dreams and goals I have for my life. And so he really felt pursuing a business on the side can not only provide more income for him, but help him be more creative in ministry, more help him be more focused with his time and energy and uh, help him be more innovative in terms of what he was doing and whatnot. And so I really was blessed by that feedback and that helped me to shape what I wanted to do. So I've been blessed with things like that from affirmations with people and from people I wouldn't have expected that said, I think you're onto something. I think you've, you're starting. Some people think maybe you're a little too early in terms of, because a lot of pastors aren't feeling the stress yet of finances, but I think COVID has begun to cause many churches to feel financial pain and struggle as fewer people are coming to church, fewer people are engaged in giving across the board. And so I think people are beginning to feel that now, but at first, People thought maybe I'm a little too early in, in doing this because pastors and churches hadn't felt the financial pressures that they've begun to feel now. But I think that's one of the things that's going to help move many pastors to have to look for income outside the church and 
to be able to use their gifts and talents in different ways that are going to come around and bless them in ways they wouldn't have expected and bless their church and community too, I think. Is your business self-sustaining at this point? No, not at this point. No, I'm a ways from that. And so working with the nonprofit organization has definitely been a big blessing then to be able to have that income. And then my wife's income as well from her work as we make this transition. So That's got to help, I'm sure. Yes. If you had to start over, is there anything you would have done differently? That is a great question. I think I would have focused on more goal uh, on on some other goals earlier on to get my platform up and running sooner. It's taken me a while to put my services out there. I've dealt with some self-doubt. And uh, I don't know if you've read the book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. He talks about the uh, he believes there's a fact that all of us have a limit, an upper limit problem. And so we believe we're worthy of only so much success or love or money. And so when we begin to push that limit or get close to that limit or even break through, we self-sabotage. We do things that hold us back. And so I think I've always dealt with things like that. And so I can relate to other people that maybe struggle with that to think, who am I that anyone wants to listen to me or what I have to say, things like that. But I just keep putting myself out there and building what I feel called to build. And But I was slower in terms of promoting what I want to do and in really getting myself out there. I could have built more of a income and had more clients if I had been more loud about what I was doing, I think, early on. So I'm backtracking on some of that now. So, How is it impacting others? Have you been talking to any of your clients about how it's invigorated them or impacted their own church? The message is resonating. And I know some other pastors, there's other people that are building similar platforms like me to help pastors. And they have been seeing the same things, that that there's a tide turning and that there's a need for uh, pastors to create income outside the church. There's always been a narrative of the starving pastor. Churches want to keep their pastors poor and humble and uh, in a lot of churches. And so thankfully, the church I was part of wasn't that way. But a lot of, especially in smaller communities, smaller churches, they may just struggle financially and not be able to pay the pastor enough. but And so my goal is to just help pastors to take more ownership of their income and their, their life and not just accept what the church says they can do, but to look for, okay, what are alternatives? What are other ways? How can I, how can I be my best advocate for creating other income or in freeing up my time? Maybe there's a pastor and they're not paid enough. And maybe they're in a full-time role. The church expects full-time, but the church is really paying part-time. So how to help that pastor have that conversation and help the church make that transition. So yeah, okay, that pastor needs to be part-time. Let's honor them for that so that we can free up their time based on what we're paying them so that they can go create the income that they need for their family on the side then as well. The message is resonating. It is getting out there, not just with me. There's There are several colleges now that have just begun to offer co-vocational ministry degrees where you can get a, mini- a degree in business and ministry. And a lot of church planting organizations are beginning to encourage church planters from the get-go to have a business or some job in the marketplace so that they're not just relying on ministry income. So the very thing I struggled with for 20 years of wondering, am I called to be a pastor or called to be an entrepreneur? Now it's being celebrated everywhere. And so that's very affirming for me in that way. So, Do you ever see yourself retiring? 
I think I'll always be doing something. And uh, in terms of serving other people, I would love to move to a warmer place than Michigan. And summers are awesome, but I'm not a huge fan of winter. So if I can get away in the winter months somewhere warm, I used to be able to plan my missions trips just right. And every month or two be somewhere warm. And then COVID upended that. And of course, now I'm not in that missions role at the church anymore. But now working with this nonprofit organization, I will be traveling more internationally again. And so that'll be great. But yeah, I do. I do dream of some things like that. But the person that I am succeeding in this nonprofit organization, he is 85 years old and uh, he's never retired. He's always in fact, he began this ministry at age like 60, I think, or yeah, around age 60. I've been blessed with a lot of great examples of people who are not retiring, but they're refocusing their life. They're not going to go sit and play golf. And I've never played golf, so I can't ever do that anyway, unless I learn it someday. But they've refocused and they feel that their older years are their best years yet to take all the skills, all the talents, all the experiences, and just live in their sweet spot. And so that's what I hope for myself and to be able to model that well for, for others. So, What advice would you give to people over 50 to help them either identify or pursue their passion? I like to think about taking low-cost probes. So if you think there's something that's a passion or of interest, just figure out how to start to take action in a small way. We don't have to think we have to create the organization or quit our job or do something huge, take a small step and test it and see, does this have legs? Is this worthwhile? And then you can make judgments on that, whether, yeah, that's been affirmed. I think I do want to quit my job or change what I'm doing and pursue that. But a lot of times people don't start out because they think it's going to be so huge and so much. But if we can just begin small and try in small ways, even like starting a business, there are thousands of businesses you can do with no money or, or little money side hustles and things. So start there. Don't think you have to get a loan and get a building and all that kind of five employees. I think people miss out if they don't just take little baby steps or little low cost probes to give things a try. So I would say if you've had something burning inside of you for a while, talk to somebody about it. And I'd be glad to be a resource for people. I'm sure you are as well in, in your work. And, um, talk with someone that you can trust. A lot of times pastors don't know who they can trust to talk to. They can't talk with their parishioners or their church board about their finances or struggles or whatever. And so I want to be that trusted person who's been there, done that others can talk to and relate to. So find someone that you can talk to about those dreams and goals and figure out how you can take a, a step toward that. And uh, looking back, I wish I had begun earlier. I wish I had taken more steps and been more focused earlier. And now I'm trying to play catch up on a lot of stuff. Final question. How would you like people to remember you? As someone who loved God and loved his family and sought to live out the calling he felt he was called to live. So yeah, to bless and serve other people. So I think that'd be pretty cool. Thank you, Rich. I really appreciate your time. This has been a great story and wonderful information. Awesome. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate you and your work and glad that folks could join in on the conversation today. I want to thank Rich Avery for taking time to share his passion for helping pastors to start businesses to help support their families. When Rich's sabbatical ended, he was inspired to pursue a new direction related to his lifelong calling, but different enough to challenge him in new ways. He felt drawn to helping pastors prepare for what will be a new way of doing church. There were already a number of social, cultural, and economic trends influencing the American church before COVID arrived. 
However, that situation simply magnified problems churches had been ignoring for years. Rich felt pastors needed to brace for a fundamental shift in the way churches would operate and especially how their ministry staff would be paid in the future. For much of the post-World War II era, pastoring a church was a full-time job for many men who were paid directly from church coffers. As a result, pastors were expected to devote their full attention to leading a church and guiding members. Yet church attendance has fallen dramatically in the past 20 years, especially during the COVID years. In smaller congregations, tithes and offerings to support the church started to shrink. Many churches began employing dual vocation pastors, meaning they worked part-time at the church, but also held outside jobs to help cover expenses. Rich started a coaching business called More Than a Pastor to help ministers prepare for the change. He launched a blog as well as a podcast and assembled resources to help pastors looking for ways to create income outside the church. He also works with people who don't necessarily feel called to be a pastor, but still want to serve God. Many times those people think their only option is to serve as a full-time pastor. During the first step, people brainstorm with Rich to uncover their sweet spot, which combines the right ratio of time and money. To do that, Rich employs what he calls a GPS, or a plan to identify their goals and dreams for life and what they want to accomplish, their passions or experiences that get them excited and motivate them to make a bigger difference, and their skills and talents. Rich explained there is a sweet spot in everyone's life where their goals, passions, and skills intersect. Then he helps them to create an opportunity around that sweet spot in order to take their lives to the next level. For seasoned citizens, their older years are often the best years to apply their skills, talent, and experiences to live in their sweet spot of purpose. It doesn't have to be a huge step, such as creating an organization or even quitting a job. A lot of times people don't get started because their idea is too big and that can be overwhelming. So Rich says to start small. He said there are thousands of businesses you can launch with little or no money. You don't need to get a building and hire five employees to get it off the ground. If there's an idea burning within you for a while, then talk to people you trust about it and take baby steps to get it going. To connect with Rich, visit www.morethanapastor.com. That's all I have for this week's show. If you'd like help in identifying a purpose for your life or to get help planning your next steps, I'm offering a complimentary brainstorming session to members of the Forward from 50 Facebook community. For details, connect with me on Facebook or visit www.forwardfrom50.com. Next week, I'll be talking with a man who walked away from a 9-to-5 job to start a business of his own, working with companies to improve their corporate culture. I'll have that interview on the next episode of the Passionate Purpose Podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you like this show, please consider leaving a review wherever you download the episodes.